us, Lord. Sin has made a crimson stain on each of us. You said, as though your sins be red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. We thank you for that, Lord, because we're wretched individuals. Some are better than others, but we're all sinners and fall short of your glory. And that sin has left a crimson stain on us. But the blood, the blood, the precious blood of Jesus, for those of us who know the Bible, for those of us who read the Bible, for those of us that know and have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that he washed our sins away at the cross. That blood that flowed down the cross onto the ground quaked the entire earth. I believe the universe was shaken when the Savior died on the cross. His precious blood washes us away, washes our sins away, and makes us white as snow. Lord, as we're singing these songs, and I've mentioned it before, nowhere in the scripture does say, does it say God is gracious, gracious, gracious. Nowhere does it say he's merciful, merciful, merciful. Nowhere does it say he's the truth, the truth, the truth, but it does say he is holy, holy, holy. And Lord, we're told to be holy as you are holy. And Lord, we can try our very best in this flesh, but we're going to fall short. But in our spirits, because we've received the precious blood of Jesus, we are clean and we are holy before you. We can come right into your presence right now. As you're standing here somewhere in this church, I can feel you and I know others feel you, Lord. You're here with us. We're undeserving of your presence, but we're so glad you are in our presence. Lord, today, as we study your word and look into your word, I pray that our commitment to you would be deepened. Our commitment to one another would be deepened. And our love would be more perfected than it ever was. I don't believe on this earth we could ever achieve agape, true agape love. But we will someday. And we'll love unconditionally, unpretentiously. We're going to love one another and love you with all of our heart. Today, Lord, help us to be holy. As we study your word, cleanse us and wash us afresh in the precious blood of Jesus. And then, though our sins are red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And we have you to thank for that, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Let us hear from your spirit. In Jesus' name, Father, amen. Amen.
adore him. He is worthy. He is worthy. I'm not on. Oh my goodness. <laughs> hey. Those who were supposed to hear heard. Let's put it that way. Anyway, you can find out what we believe in. You can find out our address, freedomchurchpb.org. If you want to talk to me in an email, just add Joe at before freedomchurchpb.org. Joe at freedomchurchpb stands for Palm Beach.org. Um, Listen, um, find out what we believe in. As I told the church a little earlier, for the other first people that tuned in, you know, we, if it, in one statement, Freedom Church is all about Jesus. All about Jesus. We're here to worship Him and serve the Lord with all of our heart. Uh, so if you come next week, uh, bring a friend with you. Or if you're online and can't get here, invite your family members over to listen to the Word of God. We're, I'm, I'm more or less a teacher of the Word of God. I do preach, but I'm, you know, we're here to uh, teach. I'm going to do mostly expositional teaching, which is you know, line upon line, and we can learn a lot. We've been in the book of Matthew for quite a while, and we've done the book of Matthew before. Many times I've taught it, but the point is it changes every time. It gets fresher. It gets newer. It comes alive, you know, because that's what the scriptures are. They're alive and, um, and well. So, I think that's about it for those online. We're glad you're tuned in. Tune in next week at 10 a.m., freedomchurchpb.org. Listen, um, my message today, I'm pulling out seven points, and the message is, accept ye. I'm going to show you seven things that Jesus talks about, accept ye. And you know what? This message is maybe not so much for the believers, because you already know this stuff, you know, this, this information. It may be for people that, that need to get a deeper walk with the Lord, okay? And uh, Brian's passing out a little list again, so you can see my points as we go. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to read the first three verses of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18. I want to remind you, last week, 
we learned about, we saw the transfiguration. And I showed you that the, the Greek word there is metamorpho. And metamorpho means, you know, to be transformed. It, it means to change into another form. That's where we get our mor word mor metamorphosis, to change into another form, like a caterpillar to a butterfly. You know, we have done that. We, as if you're born again, you were a caterpillar crawling on the ground, but now you accepted Jesus, and you've been turned into a beautiful saint of the Most High God. You don't have to be canonized by a particular church to be a saint. You're actually canonized as a saint the day you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you are a saint of the Most High God. Does that mean you're perfect? Absolutely not. None of us are perfect. But we should be working to perfection. I tell everybody, sanctification, we're being sanctified. You know, there's, there's positional sanctification. Your position in Christ as being sanctified, yeah, that's your position, you're sanctified, you're set apart. Then there's progressive sanctification. That's the little dash between the date of your birth and the date of your death. That death is where you progress in your sanctification in, in the Lord. You progress in your walk with the Lord. And then there's perfected sanctification. That's when you're dead and gone and you're, you've been sanctified and made perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And you'll be in the kingdom of heaven. So we have work to do down here on earth. And uh, this, this um, chapter, these, I'm only going to the first three verses, and basically I'm going to move to the third verse, and then we're going to look at some other except ye's that Jesus said in the scriptures. But you should have been changed. Last week I capitalized on the transfer, transfiguration where Jesus was transformed right before their eyes. I related that to us being transformed the day we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And, uh, and now, you know, we're, we're going to see some other things as we move along. And you know what? You might need to deepen a few things as we look at these seven things. But here's the first three verses. At that time, this is the new, um, uh, new King James, by the way. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of him and said, Assuredly, I say to you, except ye be converted and become like uh, as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Except ye be converted and become as a little child, you will no, by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. That's your third point, or, or your second point on the papers that were just passed out to you. Okay? That's your second point. We're going to start at that second, second point, actually. Except, seven accepts in scriptures. There are more, but we have changed directions. If you were, you were a caterpillar and now you're a butterfly, you've received Christ as your Savior, you know, you have been transformed. Not only, not the outside, you've been transformed on the inside. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, and you had red hair, when after you accepted Jesus Christ, you're still going to have red hair. 
If you weighed 160 pounds, when you got saved, you're still going to weigh 160 pounds. But your inside is going to change. You're going to be changed from within. You're going to be transformed. And that's known as being born again. We're going to see that as the scriptures here. But verse 3 says, And verily, verily, I say to you, this is the King James Version, except you be converted and become as a little, little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, a lot of people have a hard time with what Jesus says. But Jesus really was very clear if you, if you uh, look at it spiritually. You've got to look at it spiritually. Here's a requirement here to, to enter the kingdom of heaven. The requirement is you must be converted. That means, you know, you, you have changed. You might have been uh, a, a drunkard, and now you're fighting drunkenness. You might have been a person that takes the Lord's name in vain, and now every time you take the Lord's name in vain, you're... You cringe inside because, you know, you're taking the Lord's name in vain and it never meant anything to you before, but now it does because you have been converted. You have become as a little child. You're converted. A little child. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know what? You don't expect to be a high-ranking scholar. When you come to the Lord Jesus, you come as a little child. You know what? A little child, here's some things about little children. They are dependent. A little child is dependent. Children depend on their parents for food, clothing, shelter, protection. And we, as little children of God being converted, we should be dependent on God for everything. Yes, you have to go to work, and you have to depend on a paycheck. But God gave you the job so that you could get the paycheck, so that you could support your family. You're dependent on the Lord. Everything you do, you should be depending on the Lord to do it. A child is like that. A child probably wouldn't even eat if you didn't feed them. They certainly wouldn't eat their vegetables. So we, as a Christian, should be dependent on God for everything. A child is honest. That's another important integral point about a child. A child always says what's in their heart. They're always going to say what's in their heart. Being a Christian means you are sincere and honest with God. You are a sinner saved by grace. You're honest with God. You can't sit there and say, I'm not a sinner, because the Bible will prove you wrong every time. Just go to the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. If you can get past the, the thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain, you might be able to keep the rest. I always wondered, why don't somebody, when they're cussing, why don't they say, oh, Buddha? <laughs> oh, Muhammad. No, they don't do that. You know why? Because the devil wants a mark and the name of Jesus and count it as worthless. And the world does that. Even people that don't know Jesus, they use his name in vain. Even, even Hebrews that don't know the Lord Jesus, they use their, the name of Jesus in vain. 
Why is that? Look at it spiritually. The devil wants to profane the name of Jesus because there's power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. A child, not only is he dependent, not only is a child honest, but he's trusting. A child is trusting. Children trust their parents. If, if Brett told his son to jump off that chair into his arms, that little boy would do it because he trusts his dad. Trust. We can, we can trust God. God. God says to obey him, then we need to do it. We can trust him. Children trust their parents, and God the Father is our Father. He is our parent, and we can trust him. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. You can trust him to direct your path. Being a Christian means you are trusting in God, just like a little child. So, if except ye become converted and become as a little child. Listen, here's a consequence here. The consequence is, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. So unless you become converted... Changed, metamorpho, metamorphosis, changed into a, a creature of God. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away, and all things have become new. If you are not converted, and if you do not become like a little child, dependent on God, honest before God, trusting in God, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't care if you go to church every Sunday. I don't care if you have been a Sunday school teacher for the last 45 years. You need to be converted and become like a little child. <clears throat> and a little child, you know what? When you're a little child and you just get saved, a lot of people are, are fired up for the Lord because the Lord is, is taking care of his little infant. He's got you by the hand. He's carrying you in his bosom. He's carrying you. And after a while, he puts you down on the ground, he expects you to crawl. And you do. A baby can figure out how to crawl. And then after a while, the baby, he, the daddy stands him up, and daddy says, you know, and walks a couple steps with him, and then daddy moves up front and asks the little boy to walk over to him. Well, that's the way it is with us, with God, when we become little children. We have to depend on him. You know, we, he's going to let go of us. For a while, we're going to wonder what's happening. Where'd you go, Lord? And He's already there. It's just a point that He wants you to learn dependency on Him. And as we get older in the Lord, then you know we we don't have we really shouldn't have to see. Uh, we really shouldn't have to uh, be coaxed into believing in God. We should already know that He exists because He's got us through so many things in our lives. So we become like little children, and then we begin to grow up. The Bible doesn't say, you know, to attend church. It says to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yet people don't even read their Bible. A lot of people don't read their Bible, even Christians that go to church. They don't read their Bible at home, and they need to read their Bible. You need to read it completely through. 
If you just got saved, stay in the Gospel of John for a while. Then you find out who Jesus is right off the bat. It's a spiritual gospel. You can go to Matthew. You can see all the, all the miracles that he did to prove his identity on earth. Okay? So you know, he's going to let go of you as a little child. And you're going to have to walk on your own for a while, knowing that he's there and he's got you. And you're trusting in him with your whole heart. You're not leaning on your own understanding. Number two, accept ye, repent. And Luke 13, 3. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. There's a requirement here and a consequence. The requirement is you must repent. Repent means to turn around and go another direction. That's the whole theme of the book I wrote about face. Turn around and go into another direction. About face. Repentance means to turn around. I've had people ask me, what does about face mean? I thought, how, can, how did I goof that up? How could you not know what about face? I guess you weren't ever in the army. I don't know, but you had to watch it on TV or something. You know what I mean? Anyway, you know, you need to repent. A lot of people say, I don't need to repent. I'm, I'm a good person. You're better than somebody else. You're comparing yourself to somebody else. You're not comparing yourself to God who is, as we prayed earlier, holy, as we sang earlier, holy, holy. You need to repent. You are not holy. I could sit in probably everybody's presence for 15 minutes and I could point out sin, as you could do to me, because I'm a sinner. <clears throat> you have to believe it. Even if you could get through the Ten Commandments and not sin, you still have another 603 commandments to follow. Did you know that? If you can get through all of them and perfect 613 commandments you still have the original sin of Adam and Eve. So you're a sinner. Face it. And you have to trust God. He tells you, except you repent, you will, not, you will likewise perish. And of course, so here's the requirement is repentance. The consequence is perish. You will perish. You will just not exist. And I know most of the church knows this. I don't know who's online. All I know is if I sat down to do a message and, you know, whatever God leads, you go, you chase it. Number three, point number three, except, here's John chapter three, verse three. Jesus answered and said to him, this is Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. We have a requirement. We have a consequence. Okay? Except a man be born again. Nicodemus was thrown to the side. He, Jesus addresses him as the teacher in Israel. That means he's like the number one spot. He's the teacher of Israel. And Jesus says to him, 
You are the teacher in Israel, Nicodemus, and you don't understand this? You don't understand this? Do you know why? He was thinking literally. Jesus is talking spiritually. You must be born again. Well, how can you be born again, Nicodemus says. You know, how can a man enter back into his mother's womb? Nicodemus was probably an old man. His mother was probably already dead. And even if she wasn't alive, her womb would be dead. How can you do this? He's looking literally. Don't see it. He knows that Jesus is a teacher from God because he saw him doing all these things, healing the sick, raising the dead, lepers being cleansed, blind seeing, lame walking, deaf hearing, mute speaking, demons being cast out. He knew that he was from God. And Jesus said, you must be born again. Believe me, a lot of people, even in large denominations, they don't even like to say born again. Listen, if you have a problem with it, you can't take it up with me. You've got to take it up with Jesus. Because he said it. I'm just a proclamator of the word. He said you must be born again. Well, how can you be born again? Jesus told him, he says, you can be born of water, which is, you know, when you're born into the flesh, you're, you're in your mother's womb, you're in a sack containing water. That water breaks, you're as good as born. Within a few minutes, usually, or I don't know, hours some ladies went through. All I know is I had a uh, couple of headaches the last couple of weeks. Uh, I, I felt sorry for you ladies. I said, I never had a migraine headache like that all night long. I was putting warm compresses or cold compresses on my head. I'm thinking of these ladies with the migraine headaches. How do you put up with this? It was wicked. I thought my head was going to explode. Anyway, you must be born again. So you're born again of water through your mother. Well, then you must be born again of the Spirit of God. Now, see, this is, these words are spirit and they're truth, just like when we did communion. I showed you, you know, that Jesus said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part in with me. And then I showed you 10 verses later in verse John 6, 63, where Jesus explained it to the disciples, my words are spirit and they're truth. Okay? So this is what Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. His words are spirit and they're truth. You must be born again. I can relate it in my own life. One time, you know, one time I was, I, was, I was a drunk, I was a pervert, I was arrested. You, you name things that, that I was done. I was arrested at gunpoint one time. I was sitting on six cases of beer. I was the oldest one, so I got hit with, uh, you know, uh, contributing to delinquency, trespassing, because I was the oldest one. The cops were always looking for me. They knew my car. We parked the car a mile away from the farmhouse that we went to. And they still found us. They took us to the station. They were going to arrest me. And they said, what, what are you doing? I said, we were having a party because I was just drafted. They said, we can't touch you. You're government property. And I said, praise the Lord, I guess. I don't know. I didn't know the Lord at the time. But 
They couldn't touch me. And I'll tell you what, the Army was the best thing for me because I needed to learn discipline. Big time. I was, but I went from that to a believer in an instant. I was born again. I had a dream after reading tracts and reading the Bible. I had a dream where I, Jesus showed me I can't run from him. And I woke up and I went to work and told my Christian friend there that I wasn't, I wasn't a Christian. He knew it. He's been witnessing to me. I told him what had happened. I told him I saw Jesus standing in a white robe on that side of my house. And I looked over here and he's standing there. I looked back over here and he's standing there. I looked back over there and he's standing there. And I start running for the back of the garage. It was the detached garage. And just as I was ready to turn a corner onto a dirt road right there, I woke up. And I told that to my friend, and my friend said to me, if you turned that bend and you didn't wake up, where do you, th who, where do you think you would run into? I thought I ran right into Jesus. And he said to me, what are you going to do about it? And right there I bowed on the third floor of, uh, I was a draftsman for the state of Pennsylvania. Right there on the third floor of the Green Tree Parkway Center building, I accepted Jesus Christ, and I was born again in an instant. I knew Jesus was the Lord. I didn't just think of him as a, a guy hanging on a cross who obviously was a good guy and maybe even a prophet. I knew that he was God because the Holy Spirit showed me that in a series of events. And I was born again. And something like that might have happened to some of you. Some of you might have been elaborate. Or some of you might have been raised in a Christian home and you've accepted Jesus and walked with him your whole life, but there wasn't a, a, a great conversion because you were saved early. But people, that's why Jesus said, you know, you know he who, who is forgiven much loves much. I'm glad I'm out of that state. I was persecuted, ripped apart, called all kinds of names. There was no Christians in any side of my family. I was born again, and I couldn't deny it. Jesus Christ was my Lord, and here it is 45-plus years later, He's still my Lord. And He will always be my Lord with the Holy Spirit's help to keep me there wherever life may lead. You need to be born again, and there's a consequence here. Born again, metamorphosis, transformed. You'll be changed be changed in the twinkling of an eye to change into another form the same body but a different mind structure heart structure and there's a consequence and people don't see it you won't even be able to see the kingdom of heaven you won't even be able to see it you're not even going to come close to it so, so what we see so far you're going to perish if you don't do these things, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And on top of that, you're not even going to be able to see the kingdom of heaven, which is a, probably a terrible thing in itself. Number four, Jesus said, accept a man and be born of water and the spirit. And I just used that as our communion that we had today. Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the next verse. Unless you're born again of water and the Spirit. Okay, being born again, 
of the water is, as I said, the sack that you were in in your mother's womb, a water sack, okay? And except you're born again, you will be born of the Spirit. So you're born in the flesh, you have to be born in the Spirit, and that's called born again. I've talked to many people from different denominations within my own family, and, and they said, I don't believe it, I don't believe it. I said, go get your Bible. I just go get the Bible. Actually, two times in, in, in verse 3 of John 3 and verse 7 of John 3, Jesus says you must be born again. He says it twice. And anytime God has to say something twice, he means it. Not only that, it's mentioned in other scriptures. John the Apostle mentions it. And many more times is it mentioned. You know, you need to be born of the Spirit. You need to be born again. You're born of water, you're born of the Spirit, and now you're a spiritual being. Your spirit man comes alive. Since you're a triune being of body, soul, and spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, you, you're a spirit being. Let your, may the Lord God sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be perfected until the day of Christ. Okay, you're a spirit man. You're created in the image of God. And there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You're a triune being. When you get saved, you're born again, your spirit comes to life. Because your spirit man is dead before that. You have no relationship with God at all until you're born again. Then your spirit becomes alive. And now the spirit man wars with the soul man. Galatians 5.17 the spirit wars against the flesh, and the flesh wars against the spirit, so you don't do what you want to do, because the man's soul likes to gravitate towards dirt. dirt. So now, the spirit man is, is controlling the situation, but the flesh man, the carnal man, the soul man is fighting against you, left or right. I don't want to give up drinking. I can't. I need to smoke that crack. Your spirit fights with it. And sometimes God will miraculously deliver you, and sometimes you have to work through it. Progressional sanctification. That little dash between birth and death. You have to progress in your growth and in your knowledge of God. So, if you're not born of water in the Spirit, this is just backing up, you know, being born again, okay, then you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you're not born of the Spirit of God, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Because God is holy, holy, holy. And he will not let one speck of sin into his kingdom. You know why? Because a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. Put a little yeast in some dough and... Sin has to be gone. That's why when you take communion, there's no yeast in the pita bread that you, that you eat. Because yeast represents sin in the Bible. Your spirit comes alive. Your spirit man is now saved. Now the soul man's warring with the spirit man. And he's doing that so that you don't do what you want to do because man's heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. You know that, Jeremiah 17, 9. 
Your man's heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And if you aren't born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't see the kingdom of heaven. You can't enter into it, and you will perish. Point number five, John 6, 53, which is what I use for the communion. Except ye eat my flesh and drink my blood. Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, Except ye eat my flesh, eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. In other words, you're dead. And I tell everybody, and people don't like to hear it probably because I never get a comment, but people that aren't saved are dead. They're literally what the world calls zombies. They're alive, but they're dead. They're dead in their spirit. There's a whole world to it out there. Brett, yesterday at the dinner, Brett put it out. There's a whole world, almost 8 billion people now. When I started saying that, there were seven. That wasn't that awful long ago. And I remember studying in the Bible college, I found out that early on, back 25 years ago, population like doubled in 25 years. So if the population of the earth is going to double in the next 25 years, we're going to have 16 billion people on the face of the earth. All of them, most of them dead. It's our job to bring them to life. If you read my book, God Gives Us the Sword of the Spirit, that doesn't kill people, it brings them to life. Because it's the Spirit of the Lord. The Sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. What's the requirement? You have to eat Jesus' flesh and drink his blood. And then I explained to you, the 63rd verse says, because the disciples were confused, just like most people that read that would be confused. The disciples were confused. What are you talking about? And then he explains it to them. It is the spirit that quickeneth, and the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus is saying, I'm talking to you spiritually. Can you understand this? If you're not born again, you're going to say as you read the Bible, what a bunch of nonsense. And I've known people tell me that. They read the Bible, they're, they're unregenerated, and, and they read the Bible and they go, nonsense. They would take that verse in verse 53, just like I said, and say, I mean, they're talking cannibalism now. But they didn't, they didn't read the rest of the, the verse. They didn't read the rest of the chapter. They didn't read the rest of the book. Yeah, the truth will set you free, but you have to know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you aren't going to know that you, you can pray to be healed or you can pray for deliverance or you can pray, you know, who knows, for whatever you want to pray for. Pray for your loved ones. You, you know, if you don't, you don't know, you have to know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. And that's why the Bible tells us that we're to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to grow. How are you going to do that? If you, if you go to church and you know, they give you a, a scripture and a bunch of stories, that's not good. You, you know, here you're learning. Right here you're learning. I hope you're learning. Because I learn as I teach. Here, this is not cannibalism. It is talking about spirits, the spirit man and the spirit. These people are dead. They have no eternal life. 
And if you aren't born, if you, if you don't eat the body, you know, in order to eat and drink the body of Christ, you have to be born again. And if you aren't born again, you won't be eating for the right reasons. And the scriptures talk in Corinthians about there's actually a consequence for that. So a lot of people do that. They have no idea what they're doing. It's important that you know. It's important that you know Jesus is talking spiritually. The words that I speak, drinking my blood and eating my flesh, are spirit. They're not the literal bloody and blood of Jesus. You do it, and Jesus said at the, at the Passover, you do it in remembrance of him. And look at the, re- the consequence here is if you don't eat and drink the body of Christ, there's no eternal life. You have no eternal life. A lot of people think they're going to heaven. Some people, because they take communion and don't have any idea what they're doing, you have to know the truth, and then the truth will set you free, and you'll be free to serve and be with God in the kingdom of heaven. You have no eternal life. Point number six, accept your righteousness exceed. Matthew 5.20, for I say to you that accept your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Your righteousness. Who? The scribes and the Pharisees actually looks like this is a compliment to the scribes and Pharisees, but it's not. He said, your righteousness has to exceed them. Well, they had all the rules and they bade everything right down to the nitty gritty. A lot of them, some of them were still just mafia hitters, mafia leaders that put a hit on Jesus, you know, through the apostle Paul. You know, they put a, they put, they gave money to Judas to betray Jesus. They, believe me, those guys were not the ones Jesus are talking about here. I think you're talking about guys like Nicodemus, maybe, and Joseph of Arimathea. You know, accept your righteousness. These guys walked the scriptures. They memorized scripture. They obeyed the scriptures to the best of their ability. But Jesus is saying, you have to exceed that. And how can you do it? Accept by the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your righteousness. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, and we already identified him in prior chapters of Romans, the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Your righteousness has to exceed them. I mean, if the church had rules that you can't eat meat on Friday, you don't eat meat on Friday. If the church had rules that you can't leave your home, then these guys didn't leave their home on on Sabbath. You know, these guys were were as righteous as they could be. They could they they probably maybe some of them could even fulfill or obey the 613 scriptures that give commandments in the scriptures. Maybe. But Jesus is saying, you have to exceed that. Well, how can you do it? 
we know that our righteousness is in Christ alone. He is our righteousness. There's none righteous, no, not one, just the Lord Jesus Christ. His righteousness is passed on to us. Adam and Eve's original sin was imputed to us. And our sin was imputed to Jesus on the cross. And Jesus' righteousness was imputed to us who believe that he died on the cross. So we have his righteousness, which certainly exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. But Jesus was trying to get their attention also. You have to, yeah, you're, you, some of you guys are really righteous. But it's not, you're not righteous enough to enter the kingdom of heaven. You still have the original sin of Adam and Eve that passes on to each and every man because it's imputed to all of us. Believe me, I go through, when I pray a lot, I'm there like, boy, Lord, we really messed up your world. We really did. One sin led to this disaster that's out there. I know uh, Brett said last night, we're in the last hour. We may be in the last minute. I'm there. I hope so. <laughs> I really do. Because I want to get out of here, and I'd rather be raptured than just die. I don't know. It just seems like more fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen. All you need is a Savior. And by accepting Christ and being born again, you're saying, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And Jesus is our Savior. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5. Our righteousness comes from Jesus once you're born again. Because your righteousness is, there is none. You're more righteous than somebody else. But you aren't anywhere close to God and holiness except your spirit man that was born again he is holy and he's the one that's going to heaven number seven the last point except ye abide in me John 15 4 through 6 abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself Accept it, abide in the vine. No more can ye accept ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So Jesus is telling you here, except ye abide in him. That means you're glued to him, you're stuck to him. It's like Eliezer, you know, that killed so many Philistines with his sword. His sword was stuck to his hand. He couldn't get out of it. That sword was stuck to his hand. He couldn't even lose his grip because he's so much blood and caked on there and just grasped that sword so tightly it ain't coming out of his hand. And that's what we're saying here. He said, except you abide in me. You've got to stick to me like glue. You've got to believe in me. Trust in me with your whole heart. Stick, abide in him. That means you walk 
you talk, you live Jesus. And the world may make fun of you, but you know what? You're going to heaven, and they aren't. But you want them to go to heaven because God doesn't want any of them to perish, and neither do you. I, I wouldn't want my worst enemy going to hell. Not from what the, the Bible describes hell. The final draw, the lake of fire, is at the end of all things. You don't want to go anywhere near that. So look at You have a requirement and a consequence, just like the other six. The requirement is you must abide in Christ, doing his will. You're grafted in. Jesus is the vine. John 15, 1 says Jesus is the true vine. The truer version would be the genuine vine. He's the original. Not just is he true, he's the original vine. And we need to be grafted into him. And how we get grafted in is by being born again into the Spirit of God and these other things that we're talking about here. But really, if you're born again, it takes in all of this because you're going to begin to understand. You're going to learn these things and you're going to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You can't attend church just like it's an event. It's not an event. It's a family meeting where you get together, you love on Jesus, you worship him, you, you jump up and down, whatever you want to do in your heart or physically, and love on the Lord. So the good news is not the wages of sin is death. The good news is being Repented, converted, born again, in communion with God by being made righteous through Christ into the Lord God who is holy, holy, holy. And you have to abide in the genuine vine. You have to abide in it. Be grafted in. You have no life in yourself. You're the branches. Keith Green used to sing a song, I am divine and you are the branches. He's divine, not you. You need to be grafted into him in order to live. So there's a requirement and a consequence. Abiding in Christ is the requirement. Doing his will, being grafted in. The consequence he will be cast into the fire and be burned. Whew. You want those 8 billion people to be there? I don't. So we need to support, you know, the churches that we belong to because the church, you know, reaches out to these unsaved people in one way or another, not just the pastor, not just the church as a building itself, but each and every one of you in the church is the church. You're part of the church. You have a pawn. Ma uh, Max just got saved here. All his friends are unsaved. He has a good pawn to fish in. All he's got to do is bait the hook attractively and catch some fish because God's made him a fisherman. A lot of mine is fished out. And the ones that are in there don't want to come out. But pretty much, you know, we all have a job to do. So, 
You could take his little flyer and you could teach a Bible study in your home or any of the flyers that I give out. Because there's a whole lot to learn in the scriptures. Listen, that's about it for today. I'm going to close up 10 minutes early, which is good. But I enjoyed the service today. You know what? Especially the way the communion was done. It was different, unique, and heartfelt. So thank you, Lewis. Thumbs up. And uh, let's close in prayer, okay? Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you. Thank you most of all that you called us into the kingdom. We know we were unworthy, but somehow, some way, you came and pulled us out of this world that we live in and called us into the kingdom of light and took us from that darkness, and we thank you and praise you. Lord, thank, forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness, Lord, and use us mightily to help your kingdom to come on this earth as it is in heaven. And to God be the glory. To you, Father, be the glory. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Love you all.